Hey, you guys, welcome to this episode of Hope and Struggle. My name is Mindy, and I have a very special guest for you. You guys, today on the podcast, I'm bringing to you someone I've been looking up to for some time. She, too, is a widow. We have that connection as much as so I'm sure that we don't want that. I have found her through social media. I'm on her email list. She is really the first person that I've connected with as a fellow widow that is normalizing the thoughts and the feelings and just all the junk that comes along with losing someone. And yes, much of this will connect with you even if you haven't lost your spouse, but I wanna specifically um, ask you to focus or send this to someone who has lost their spouse, maybe specifically a husband, because we're gonna talk about some specific things with that, her journey, what's given her the confidence and just sort of the freedom and the permission to speak in the way she speaks. Um, Kim Murray has developed a, a whole brand and it's called Widow 411, which I love because no, like there's nothing out there like this. There just simply isn't. And when you are a widow, when you become a widow, you have no idea what to do. It's hard enough to have lost you, who you've lost, but how do I act? Are these feelings okay? Oh, I shouldn't be thinking this. Oh, I should be stop grieving at this point. And just none of that is true. And for me, Kim has given me permission to be in the middle of it and to do what it is I need to do and think the things I think and have the feelings I feel. And I cannot wait to share her with you. We're gonna have her tell her story and get a little bit more information from her. Kim, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here. I love your messages. I love the word that you're spreading and I'm, I'm excited to be a part of it here with you. I'm so happy. And I'm just so thankful that you have given us some of your time. And um, first of all, for those of you just kind of hopping on, if you want, go ahead and go over to Widow411 on Instagram. I think that would give you the best overall bird's eye view of what she does and, and, and what she believes and, and how she's helping people and how she's just speaking to so many things that nobody wants to talk about. Kim, I'd love to start with your story. Can you tell me how you got here? Sure. Uh, well, obviously my husband died. So this was back in 2013 when he was diagnosed with glioblastoma. So he had a brain tumor. And if your listeners don't know, bless you and for not knowing what glioblastoma is, but it is a terminal cancer. So he was diagnosed in 2013 on Valentine's Day of 2013. So we went to the doctor and he'd been having some cognitive issues, but the doctor said, basically, you have 12 to 15 months to live. So go home and get your affairs in order. So when you hear that, you know, people sometimes think that just happens in the movies or whatever. It's, it's real. They say, go home and get your affairs in order. You will not survive this tumor. So we walked into the hospital thinking he had, you know, the flu and we walked out with a death sentence. So... Glioblastoma averages are about 12 to 15 months of living after diagnosis, and he died within 12 months. So a year later in February, he was gone. So it was a brutal year. It was a lot of uh, change, obviously, a lot of things that we had to get used to and uh, try to figure out how to move forward with because knowing someone is going to die is a pretty large burden to carry. Yes. It's very big. So... We spent that year just basically making the most of the time together that we could, right? Like anybody else would do. We had small kids. My kids were eight and 10 when my husband died. So we had little kids and it was hard, you know, getting them, telling them what was going on and trying to be honest at the right time and how much do you tell them and when do you tell them and all that kind of stuff. So 
he was, he went through chemo and radiation, did all the things. Just, we knew we were just buying time because we knew that there was no cure. So he died in February of 2014. And then, you know, my grief journey began, which if you've been on the grief journey, if you're a widow, your husband dies, it's um, unlike anything else because when people die, we miss them, right? There's things that, that are no longer in our lives. When your spouse dies, there are about a thousand other things that die with him. So it's your co-parent, it's your financial stability, possibly, it's your future, it's your retirement partner, it's your everything, everything. So your entire life revolves around your spouse. And so when they're gone, it's not just half of you is gone, like 99% of you goes with him too, because you don't know who you are after. You don't. I'm, okay, let's pause on that. I'm so happy you said yeah. that. That's one of my questions. You know that you are who you are and you've been like that even before you met them, but so much of my identity kind of went away and my confidence. Yes, confidence that, was huge. That is well, huge. Can you speak to that real fast? Yeah, well, that was one of my biggest things. And I talk about it on my my blog and I say um, my confidence took a nosedive. I'm not the most confident person to begin with. Um, I might put on a good show. People think I'm a lot more confident than I actually am because I'm I'm very self-conscious, but it took a nosedive. Like I second guessed every single solitary decision. And I'm not, this is not an exaggeration. Every single decision. <laughs> <laughs> from sun up to sundown, I questioned, is this the right thing? Is this the right time? Am I doing it? And especially with my kids, like I was terrified of emotionally scarring my children. Oh, for sure. For sure. Right. They're already emotionally scarred. Right. And now you have this mom whose confidence took a nosedive, doesn't know what to do, doesn't know how to make a decision, can't focus, crying all the time, have to work, have to go be productive, have to bring in money, have to do all the things. And then explain to people that you you know you don't really want to go into detail with everybody because when people ask you how you're doing, it's a rhetorical question. They it don't is. really want to know. Right. You don't want <laughs> they to don't know. really want to know. So you have to just be like, I'm fine, I'm fine, and do the whole, you know, fake head tilt, fake concern, everything's great, blah, blah, blah. So it's, you know, it's the confidence issue was was huge. And like I said, everything that goes with your husband is everything that was your future. Yeah. It's just everything that you thought you were going to have is now gone and you have to figure out what to do with that new reality. And it's, there are no words to really explain what that feeling is like. We can say that it's overwhelming. We can say that it's, you know, produces a ton of anxiety. That doesn't even come close to the actual feelings. It really doesn't. And and it's no one else's like burden to bear, of course, as God shows us or whatever. But at the same time, when... You you act a certain way or you are a certain way because you have widow brain. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You either sleep too much or not at all. You either eat a ton or not at all. You either yeah. drink a ton or never. Yeah. And you're just always like in this weird motion and you don't want to be there. Like I was no. telling my friend, Dr. Michaela, I'm so tired of being such a whiny woman, such an emotional. I'm not that emotional and whiny, but that's all I know at the moment. And you don't know how to even explain it away. Do you know what I mean no. with your friends? Because like they're almost taken aback that you're forgetful. They're almost taken aback that you told them, they told you something and you forgot. And you're like, well, that's the thing. If you're, you know, I'm a pretty organized person, productive. I get things done. Well, when you're that persona, when people know that about you, and then all of a sudden you become something completely different, they don't know what to do with you. Yes. 
and they don't know how to act around you. And it's like, okay, so for the first time in my life that, you know, I was 44, I was human. People saw me as a human, not a superhuman robot who, you know, ticked off my to-do list every day and got tons of stuff done. I mean, when my kids were little and before my husband got sick, I mean, I was involved in their school. I did everything. I did all the things. And people would say, how do you, how can you get all that done? Well, I multitask. I do these, um, you know, whatever I get done. Well, then he died and everything went to pot, right? You're just like, I don't even know what to do. So I think it was the first time people actually saw me as a human and not an Android robot. I'm, you know, so that was hard. It was hard for me to to see myself like that too, right? Like, why can't I get this done? Why can't I check this off my to-do list? Why do I, I took over my husband's business. So he was self-employed when he got sick. And so that year that he was sick, I took over running his business and I thought I would just do it until he died and then I would figure something else out. As it turns out, it just allowed me to be home with my kids. It was a flexible opportunity for me to stand with my kids. So I just continued doing it after he died. But I would sit at my desk sometimes and look at invoices and try to add up invoices and add up numbers and they wouldn't add up. Absolutely. Right? I can remember sitting at my desk like with my calculator just punching numbers like, why are these numbers not adding up? I couldn't focus. Absolutely. I couldn't function. I couldn't do math. I couldn't do math. Well, for those of us that couldn't really do math in the beginning, it's actually I couldn't out, do math know? in the beginning. <laughs> I'm, I'm in that camp, but like simple, just trying to reconcile an invoice. Yeah. So that was like, oh, I don't even know how to handle this. I don't even know what to do with this. Well, I and, and what's, what's interesting about that topic right there is you try. You try to use every, I've done this so many times before. You know, I, I, and so speaking like yours, just about your business and just reconciling, well, you know, I do fitness and I love it. I, it is my, one of my heart passions besides Jesus. That's my, you know, I love, and I can't get excited. I cannot. So why would anyone listen to me if I can't get excited about it? Why is ever, you know what I mean? And it's one of those things go, this has been one of the most natural things in my life. It like stuff wasn't connecting in my brain. No, no, it absolutely does not connect. So it's hard to move through a day with all the things you have to do in a day, you know, especially if you have kids. Now you're two parents, not just one. Right. So we had to go to, you know, sports practice and mm-hmm. and all the things. I mean, I remember like just like from sunup to sundown, just go, go, go. Yes. And then you but you're dragging yourself along trying to yeah. stay you know, keep your head above water, I guess, is the only way I can really explain it. And you just can't. So things fall through the cracks. <laughs> a lot of things fall through the cracks. Well, they do. And I think you have to just end up being okay with that. And I would love to, gosh, if we ever could just do a call on all this, excuse my French, crap. Because yeah. no one gets it unless you're in it. And right. even with even with some of my friends, um, I adore them. But this is the best way I figured out how to say this. Their lives didn't change. No, no. No, mine. Not even close. On the dime. Not even close. And everything in your life changed. Literally everything. Everything. Not just not just one or two. Like okay. everything. That's the hard part to wrap your head around. So you can't imagine something until it happens to you. You just can't. Right. There's no way to do that. So I don't expect anyone to understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying, and you don't expect anybody to understand what you're going through because they've never been through it. Um, well, but just the enormity of it yes. is there are no words. There are no words. And so let's, let's just move on. Cause I, I, I seem to have a call with you, but let's have like 
coffee or glass of right, water or something right. to be like, oh my gosh, what about this? And we can go on yeah. that. But but let's take it now to what gave you the guts and the umph and the permission, and maybe you didn't need it. I would have needed permission. By the way, you've given it to me, FYI, through all your stuff to start talking about this and sharing it with people because nobody wants to hear this except for someone like me that's desperate right. to hear it. Well, I think and I, my husband died in 2014. And so the weird thing about how the world works is in at the end, he died in February. At the end of 2014, I bought the domain name Widow411. I had no idea what I was going to do with it. It just came to me as things do, right? right? So I bought the domain. I'm like, I think at some point I may talk to widows. I just don't know how that's going to pan out. Right. But I bought the domain because it's like, what, 12 bucks a sure. year or something for domain. Okay. So then the first two years of my widowhood were spent basically running from my grief. So I was traveling. I was working. I was doing all the things. I was not feeling feelings. I was just trying to escape from the grief. Okay. So once that caught up with me, as it does yes. to everyone, mm-hmm. I had to figure out now what to do with this thing I had been avoiding. Yes. So I thought maybe now is a good time to start thinking about doing a blog or writing about this and seeing where it goes. So it was almost still three or four years after he died that I actually started writing in the in the blog, in the Widow Formal blog. But it's a lot of technical stuff to get a blog up and running too. There's a lot of technical stuff behind it. It literally took me probably a year to do the technical part. Okay which sounds silly, but it's a lot of, it's a lot of learning curve. So I figured I didn't know exactly what I was doing. And I know other widows don't know what they're doing either. So maybe we could try to figure it out together. So it wasn't that I gave myself permission to be this, you know, person who can tell you how things go, because I don't even know. I still say, I don't have it all figured out. Right. I still say, I don't have it all figured out, but I wanted to help myself and other people at the same time. So the posts that I was writing, the blog posts that I was writing, the things that I was saying were helping me in addition to helping other people too. Yes. And I did have a few early readers say, you know, well, are you sure you can say it that way or whatever? I'm like, this is me. Yes, talking. you can say it that way. I'm telling you. Yes. Yes. If I, if I offend you, I'm sorry. Maybe you're not my audience or whatever. That's fine. But I can't, I have to say things how I would speak. So if right. you're reading... A, you know, a blog post or an article, that's how I would talk to you in person. Absolutely. So, yeah. So I just thought, well, you know, I got to figure out how to do this. And so then I would just uh, post and I would have people start following me and then they would write to me and, and say, you are saying exactly how I feel. I can't yes. even believe that this is exactly how I feel. And so I thought, okay, so being the not hundred percent confident person. I would think to myself over the years, you know, I, I, I don't know why I'm doing this. Nobody's listening. I shouldn't say this. I shouldn't do this, whatever. But then I get the emails then I get the feedback and then I get the responses. I'm so glad I found you. Um, this, you saved my life. I don't know how to, you know, thank you. And it's like, Oh my gosh, this yes. is crazy, right? This is crazy. So there's a need for people to know that what they're feeling is normal because yes. it doesn't matter what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. It's normal. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what it is. It's normal. We're, we're humans. We have feelings. And that's what, what, what we do. I didn't know that for the longest time. I tried to avoid it. So at least now I can use my inexperience with feeling my feelings and hopefully get people to do it faster than I did. So they're not contributing to their own suffering <laughs> for as long as I did. For sure. But we, I mean, we all do. But what's so what's been so impactful with what you're saying is, first of all, yes, I agree with all those women. It is so true. It's there's just nothing like it. 
at least that I've found. And by the way, I'm a go- I'm a Google girl. I will Google yeah. all night long. There's just nothing like it. And so my mother, just a, for instance, my mother's hysterical. Oh my God, she's just a piece of work. But my dad passed away when he was 58. My mom was 62. Okay. Mm-hmm. My dad had a lot of health issues, probably why I'm into fitness so much. Um, all, all, by the way, lifestyle diseases. Right. All yeah. lifestyle stuff. By the way, neither here nor there, but my dad was a wonderful, beautiful, fabulous man. And um, when my dad passed away, I remember very clearly how my mom responded and she lost her stuff. Mm-hmm. And my mom's, by the way, very dependent. All of her kids are very independent. So there was a difference there. In all the times I thought, who do I know that's lost? You know, that I could just maybe talk to. As much as I love my mother, I tried. Nope. Yeah. Nope. No. Because it's just apples and oranges. It really is. Right. You know, with that. And then even a few other ladies was okay. But I kept just going, here's what I feel. Here's what I think. I don't get this. And and why would someone ever, by the way, what people say doesn't bother me. You know, yeah. they can say what they want. Sometimes it's fuel for my fire. Right. You know, exactly. but they're like, yeah. So we're almost at three years. And I had someone message me and said, I really appreciate you being honest, but gosh, it's been almost three years. You know, shouldn't this be in a different position now? And, oh. and, and but, but you have to understand, Kim, I smiled going, she, I know. she I know. does not get it. No. No. And a lot of people take what they, you know, they regurgitate sound bites they hear from For other sure. people. Mm-hmm. Right. So they don't really even, I don't even think they know that they're saying, because I have some, some articles on the, the pitiful platitudes that people will, you know, try to shove down your throat. And I it used to make me angry, but I know that they don't know any better because they're just regurgitating sound bites they've heard from other people. And it sounds good. But I also learned that when people say things like that, it makes them feel better about your situation. This is not making you feel better because you cannot make a griever feel better. You cannot make them feel anything. You can't, you can't make them feel worse. You can't, if you, I used to say, you know, I talk about my deceased husband all the time. I still do. Yes. And I say his name and I told him, I promised him before he died, he he was terrified that people were going to forget him. And I said, I will never stop saying your name. And I do, I say his name all the time. So I don't expect people to you know, understand what, what any of that means or why I do what I do. Uh, but they just say things that they think are going to make me feel better, but it really makes them feel better because it's uncomfortable. It's just awkward to talk to somebody. I was not a good friend or a good... Oh, before this, no way. No, before no way. this, I didn't, wasn't a good friend to grievers before I became a griever. And I know that now. So I do better now. I didn't know then. I know now. Right. And now I do better. So I don't expect anybody who's not been a, you know, affected by devastating loss to have any idea. Absolutely. And I, and I just do believe that's part of this whole perseverance and character building process, you know, that, that we're going through. And that's one of the best ways I think to look at it. God did it for a reason. What do we do now? Like, that's what I say. Right. God, you did this reason. I can't bring him back. No matter what I do, right. I'll never right. find him in another man. I'll never, I need to be the mom. I need to do the business. And then God, when yes. it's your time for things to change and let them change, you know, it's like that kind of yeah. thing. But it's, it's so interesting to me that, the things that were impactful were things I wouldn't have thought were impactful because nothing anyone said mattered. It's what people did. No. Yes. At least for me, it was people yes. that showed up, people that mowed my lawn. I had a group yes. of ladies come and clean my toilets. I don't even know who That's they are. amazing. To this day, I don't even know who they were. They were at some yeah. church. And then I had that's people awesome. just bring groceries and like, that's, that's helpful and kind and selfless. But you're so right. When people say, talk to you, they always say, I... Yes. Blah, 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 about them. And and I think we just have to be thankful that someone cares enough to say anything. And by the way, they don't know what to say. So don't worry don't, about it. Right. Don't worry yeah. about it. 
No. And I used to get into discussions with widows about, you know, what people say and they should tell, they, they would say to me, well, you know, why don't you tell them what they say is wrong? And I, I basically said, I'm not the grief police. Right. I'm not here to tell you how to act or what to say right. to grievers. That's not my place. You get to do whatever you feel comfortable with. Yeah. I'm not going to go around and tell people and slap citations on people because right. they said the wrong Here's thing. Here's grief etiquette. And you yeah. have failed, ma'am. Right. Like, I'm not, I don't have time for that. But I think you get over that you because do. it happens so much. You do. You just finally move past it and right. just let it be. Well, and it's one of the best things you do. Okay, let it go. They don't know. They're trying to be no. love. Okay. Well, so right. let me ask you this then. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about what Widow 411 has become and yeah. all the stuff you do. But let me ask this. In, in this process, did you find, and only because I want to give you know anyone any help, anything they can hold on to that might help them, were there any like books? Were there any podcasts? Were there any daily readings? Were there anything that like you were kind of like, this actually was very good? Well, the one I always refer to is, um, and I'm probably going to butcher her name, is um Pima Pema Chodron. Okay. She's a Tibetan monk, okay. uh, Buddhist monk, something okay. like that. She has a book called, um, and I'm not going to be able to remember as we're sitting here on the podcast. Okay. When we, things fall apart. When, when things, things fall, fall apart. apart. Okay. When things fall apart. So I don't ascribe to any particular you know, ideology or anything, but this one was the first time I learned that I had to move towards grief, that I couldn't move away from it. Uh, and it was just interesting the way she said things about, it's just kind of the way that, the world works. So you have to go towards the things that scare you and right. and feel the feelings. And so reading that, I was like, oh, I don't get to escape because I tried. And it's <laughs> Trust me. I tried. So I would just pick that up every once in a while and just read little excerpts. And then, right, this one I love the most too is Emmett Fox, The Sermon on the Mount. Yes. Right. So I'm reading this and I'm like, oh my gosh. Like I have, I have, I don't think you can see my book here, but I'm like every page is um, like dog eared. Yes. Mm -hmm. Dog eared. Thank you for that word. And it was like, it sounds, things really aren't that complicated, I guess is my point. I think we make things more complicated than they are. We do. And I contributed to my own suffering by trying to avoid everything and sure. um, <laughs> trying to make things different than what they were. So both of those books just kind of told me that this is the way it is. Right. You don't get to change it. You just have to learn how to live with it. And I didn't know how to do that. So it took me several years. I mean, really several years to kind of figure that out. But those were those were good books for me. I have a whole, I'm a self-help junkie. So sure. I've got a whole bookshelf of yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. titles and you, whatever. You, but. Don't, you don't want to see all my books and all my audiobooks. No, it's kind of embarrassing how many. But yeah, so I'm always looking for that next thing. But it always comes back to feel the feelings. It always comes back to feel you're human. And this is what being human means. You have to feel all the things. If we can pause on that for one second. What's one really interesting thing, and this is, by the way, the irony of this. One of my dear friends is, is named Jen Delvo. Her husband has glioblastoma. <sighs> and um, he's had radiation twice. He's had yeah. two brain surgeries. He has a few cognitive issues. He's the funniest, most fun dude ever. He and Lee, which is my late husband, were good yeah. friends because they were like the cancer buddies, you know? He's had it for years and years. And honestly, um, a month before Lee died, which by the way, we did not know that was what was going to happen. We had all went on a girl's trip to New York and we were sitting at this sushi bar where we saw Michael J. Fox, by the way, and got a picture oh, wow. of him. Oh gosh, he was so nice and so gracious. And um, we were kind of talking about Lee and, and, and Darren, and, and I, I kind of started talking about Lee, 
And then Jen started talking about Darren with glioblastoma and, and my friend Shlene kept going, well, Jen, tell us more, tell us more. And so she wanted to focus on that because in your mind of like what probably will happen, Darren will probably go before Lee, right? Yeah. was absolutely not the case. Darren is still alive and kicking. He's so funny and so great. And Lee went a month later. And Mm. what's interesting about that, Jen herself, which by the way, these are some of the kindest, best friends you can ever have. And she was like, you just need to, let's just do a trip, right? Let's just go shopping. Let's do a trip. And I said, here's one thing that God has shown me in my heart. I have to fight this head on or or meet it head on now, or I'm going to deal with it for the rest of my life. Right. So that's the only truth really that I found within this that, you know, like you're saying, it took you a minute to get there. I just am tired of facing it because it's been three years now. <laughs> I <laughs> like, know. Like, right. When do I get to tap out? I want to have fun again. Right. Yeah, I don't think it ever ends. So it just becomes different. different and so that's yeah. why I try to tell widows now is grief never ends, right? We just learn how to make room for it. Right. It just is different. So just because you're happy doesn't mean you're not sad. Sure. Still. There's something that's just, still there. There's something that's still there. And I was I was in Ann Arbor the other day. So when my husband was sick, he was being treated at University of Michigan. And we spent a lot of time in Ann Arbor. So we would go to his um, go to his appointments with his doctors at U of M. And we would eat lunch at this restaurant called the Gandy Dancer in Ann Arbor, if anybody's familiar with Ann Arbor. So it was a fancy restaurant and we would go there for lunches and they had these, you know, lunches for 15 under 15. So we thought we were getting a good deal at this fancy restaurant. But anyway, we ate lunch all the time. I have not been back to Ann Arbor. I had not been back to Ann Arbor since he died going on nine years ago. But I was going to a store there and I just happened to drive down the road of this restaurant that it wasn't my plan to go by this or even go by the hospital. Where I ended up was right in front of the Gandy Dancer restaurant. And immediately tears, like, like, you know, waterfall choking on my own tears, kind of like crying fast. And and this is almost nine years ago. There is no end to this grief. And it comes up in different ways at different times. Sometimes I go a couple of months, I'm fine. Sometimes I can go a week and I am, you know, I I hear a song on the radio. But that hit me like so hard. I was like, oh my gosh, I have not been back here in almost nine years. And it was almost like I was transported back to lunch with him in that restaurant. I had to pull the car over and just sit for a minute because I was like, I can't drive right now. Well, I need a moment. And I think probably what you did is the best thing ever is that, you know, and, and by the way, I've been to multiple counselors. I, I mean, I'm all about like, what do I need to do? Because I've got to be this mom. You know what I mean? I've got to be, I know God has a purpose for it all and I can't lose myself, you know, at right, right. At, the, at 49, tell no one. Right. But um, you know what I mean? It's one of those things, but like sitting in it, sometimes is, yes. I think it's exactly what we're supposed to do. Sit in it. Nobody wants to, you want to run away. Let's don't do it. But I, I feel that it's, this purpose is supposed to be served or for the rest of my life is never going to grow to what it's supposed to grow to because you are doing, it's actually biblical. It's it's Second Corinthians 1, 3 through 9 that basically says we are supposed to help others through our, the struggles yes. that we've been through, which is basically through their same struggle that we've already been through kind of type of thing. And I feel like that gives it more purpose, but also being okay with kind of being a little, oh, you yeah. know, has to be okay. So 
I want to talk about your Instagram. And I know you have like the website, which, you know, Widow411, you guys, that is that is the website with so many good things. She's got a grief journal in there. She even has ways that she can mentor you and speak to you personally. But on your Instagram, these just, I love them. They set me off. So you just do reels. Yes. Which by the way, reels are the way to go. Even if you think it doesn't matter, you know, it keeps drawing yes. people to you. Can you just like thinking about some of your reels, can you just talk to me real quickly about a few things that, pe- that people kind of make you think aren't okay, but that are truly okay just as you grieve? What people make you think are not okay? Yeah, like, um, I, like, like you should be done by now. Like that's well, you enough. should be done or the crying part, you yeah. know, the crying part, like how much longer are you going to cry or why, you know, why are you still crying? Well, again, we're humans and humans cry, right? That's how we release uh, a lot of things right. and cleanse and whatever. So it's the cry, it's the talking about him. Why are you still talking about him? Right. And I was, right? Like, why would I not, again, I made a promise and I keep my promises. I will never stop speaking yeah. his name. Yeah. Especially for my kids. Absolutely. I talk to my, you know, my kids all the time and my kids were young, they were boys. And so they have a hard, they had a hard time dealing with it. And boys don't like to talk about emotions. They don't like to talk at all. They don't like to talk at all. Right. It's like pulling teeth to get them to say anything. But I just keep going back to them with stories and pictures and all this kind of stuff and reminders of things. And so my oldest is 19 and he's just now coming around to talking more about what was going on. And I've been doing this for nine years, talking about his father for nine years. So that's the what, you know, why are you still talking about him? Because I can. Yeah. And because I want to. Because I want to. Because I want to. Um, I'm sure this was from a book. I didn't mean to cut you off. Sure, it was from a book somewhere, but I saw it in a book, in a movie with Dolly Parton. By the way, love Dolly Parton. And I'm, I'm by the way from Texas. If you can yeah. imagine, this is like kind of my version of Mickey Mouse. Is Dolly Parton? I just adore her. Anyway, she was in some Christmas movie. I can't remember what it was, but she said, "Well, honey, you know what grief is, right? It's just love with nowhere to go." Yeah. I paused that movie and bawled for an hour. Because I got this visual of, you know, I was in love with Lee when he, I was in love with him. We had a true, true, true love. And yeah. he, he's he gone, right? Yeah. Why would that love stop? Right. It felt as if I was in a, bo- a room, like a box with no windows, and the, the, the love's just hitting every wall. Like it's trying to go, trying to reach that person, but it can't. And I think that is so much of the pain we feel. Could you speak to that at all, if you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's just, I mean, there's so much, like when I said earlier, there's no words to explain the feelings. Uh, it, it's like carrying a weight. It's like carrying this, you know, huge boulder that is could potentially suffocate you if you take your eye off of it or if you let go of it, it could crush you. Right. So it's, it's, that, it's that constant balance between feeling the feelings but not letting it consume you. Consume you. Yes. It's very hard to to do that because I became easily consumed yeah. with everything. Right. So, you know, same thing. I mean, we had a we had a great marriage. We had a great family. And I hate to say the word perfect, but come on, we were pretty darn pretty perfect. Pretty dang close, right? Yeah. Pretty pretty close to perfect. So to have that, you know, ripped away from you and then trying to figure out how to pick up the pieces sure. is just, it's starting over, but it's not just starting over. It's every, you know, like I said earlier, everything is every single solitary thing changes in your life. But when, before he died and he knew he was going to die and he would tell me, you know, you need to date again. You need to, 
you're too young to be alone, you know, you need to do all these things. And so, and I wrote a story about that too, that was published in one of the Chicken Soup for the Soul versions. I wasn't thinking about any of that, obviously, when he was sick or even a couple of years after he died. You don't at all. Yeah. You don't. But long story short, because like I said, it's been nine years, I did start dating someone. We got, re- we got married last November. So I am a remarried widow. So people say, well, are you still a widow? I'll always be a widow. You're always a widow, no matter what. Yeah, Always a widow. I'm a remarried widow. Mm-hmm. I still call myself widow. So in, in answer to your question about what people think, you don't get to decide whether I'm a widow or not. I get to decide. Sure. I'm a widow. Yeah. So anyway, so he would say, you know, you need to date, you need to do this, whatever. And I'm like, I'm not even going to think about that. But the one thing that I have to really drive home with the widows that I talk to is, Love is infinite. It is not, you don't get one chance. It's not one and done. You can love as many people as you want to, as as often as you want in your lifetime. Nobody puts a limit on that. So I just want to make sure that, you know, the biggest message that I would have is if you want to find someone or if you want to date again, if you want to do that, go do it. It doesn't say anything about you or about your love for your right. spouse, your deceased spouse, nothing. Right. It's just that, again, you're human and we're, we're wired for connection. If you want to be with somebody, go be with somebody. It I doesn't would, mean anything about you. I or would your, love to or talk to marriage. you about that more at another time. Yeah. Because yeah, I, yeah. I got a lot of questions for you just yeah. from being a girl here. Questions. But I'd love to share with our readers, just, I mean, our, our readers, our readers, our listeners, our readers. just a little bit more. How can they... Find more about you. What do you What do you recommend? Maybe they look at first on your website. Again, it's widow four one one, and what I also created. I have the I have the website with blog posts, but what I also created was a guide. It's called the Ultimate Survival Guide for Widows, and it's a guide for what to do after your spouse dies, how to handle all the post death tasks. So when I was going through all of this, and you know how many post death tasks there are to do. That's overwhelming too, especially if you don't know how to close accounts or if you were not in charge of the money, if you didn't have you know access to your checkbook or whatever. So as I was going through all of these tasks, I thought some, I kept notes and I kept a folder and I thought at some point I'm going to tell other people how to do this. I'm going to share with them easier ways to do this. So I wrote a guide. I created, turned it into a course. It's an online course now, but it just helps you go through all of the things, like literally all the things that you have to do. And it was like within the first year or two, maybe after your husband dies, after your spouse dies. But I have checklists and worksheets and templates. So I tell you how to do it. And then you just plug and play and go. Oh and, my gosh, that's amazing. And then you can get it done without having to sit and think about how do I contact the credit bureaus? What do I say? I have a template letter. This is what you say to the credit bureau. This is what you say to your credit card companies. No, you don't have to pay your deceased husband credit card bills if you weren't on the joint account. No, this right. is not true. Oh this my what you gosh, do. that's fabulous. Yeah, if debt collectors come harass you, this is a template letter you can send to them. Just how to deal with insurance and taxes and accounts and budgets and everything. Kim, that is amazing. Because so you're going to have to do all to, that, mind you. You will have to You will have to do all that at some point. You have to do it all. Oh. You have to. And so no one's coming to save you. You need to learn how to save yourself. Okay. So this guide helps you get through what you need to get through. Somebody could sit down with you. Sure. I mean, there's there's some older women who who buy the guide and they don't really aren't that computer savvy. I'm like, get your son or daughter sure. or somebody to come help you. But if they did not have anybody, you could still go through it and understand that these are the things. And I have check, you know, check off after every section 
did you do these things? Check off your list to make sure that it's done. And then keep everything in an organized folder because you have to go back and find those forms that you sent in. Yeah, you will. You will. You need to keep track of all these things. So I didn't have a folder. I didn't keep track as well as I should have. So when I created the guide, I made it easier for other widows to do those things that that I didn't do right the first time. But that's one of the things that I'm really the most proud of. Is that's really, a bless- this is- that is a blessing. That is a huge, huge, huge thing that I don't even think that's ever been created. And if it has, no one knows about it. Well, no, and I, there's, well, you know, there's checklists on the internet, which I always laugh about. And I always joke about, like, you can go find the 10 point checklist on Google. If only there were 10 point, 10 Exactly. Or the, or the flyer that your funeral home gives you, go do these 10 things. I'm like, are you flipping kidding me right now? This is pathetic. So anyway, I just wanted to combine all of that. I could have written a 1000 page guide. I had to cut it off at some point because I kept saying, well, I could add more and more and more. It's, it's the basics. It's what you need to do. It's what you need to get done. That is so, so fabulous. Um, I, I want to honor your time. And I just want to say, first of all, thank you so much for being here. Like, I feel like we've opened Pandora's box. To be honest. We have opened Pandora's box. We need to talk again. We I would love to, to talk, talk again. again. And I, I'm just so thankful that you've been so gracious to come to Hope and Struggle and, and just let everyone like learn about you and hear about you. And I will be sharing everything. So you guys, you can check in the show notes where you can find her if Widow 411 escapes your mind. It will be on there if you are a widow yes. and you forget often like we do. Just know that that's in there. And one of the biggest things to me, Kim, what you've done for me is, I, well, let me just, quick quick history. I'm a business person. I run two businesses. I've, I motivate myself every morning to get up and yes. do my own thing. I teach classes. You know, I do all these things. And when it all happened, like, boom, on the a dime, just everything stopped. And even though in my head, I like, I can handle this. I can do this, whatever. You just aren't right. And, and no. we need to be okay with not being right. We need to be okay with getting help from people that have gone ahead of us. That yes, have- I say that all the time. Please find someone who's come before you yes. to help you. That's so important. Absolutely. And, and the fact that you've been bold enough, and I know you probably, you act like you don't think it's a big deal. It's a big deal that you've done this. Like, I'm trying not to like well up here, but um, no one wants to talk about this. And even with widows that you maybe know in your in your world and like your community, it's just not the same as what you've done yeah. and what you've put together and how you have kind of said, it's okay to feel these things. So I just wanted to say thank you. Like really. Thank you. I appreciate that. From the bottom much. of my heart. Thank you. Because I, ever since I've kind of found you, I'm like, I don't feel alone or as alone. That's key. So I appreciate you saying that because that's key. Well, I appreciate it so much. I'd love to end this with a prayer if we could, please. Sure. Thank you so much. Jesus, God, thank you. Thank you that you connect us. Thank you that you can help us find each other where she lives up north and I live down south, but we can find each other via like Instagram and social media and like, um, you know, our, our websites and so forth and so on. Lord, while so many yucky things do happen on social media, so many good things are happening. Thank you just for giving Kim like the wherewithal and like the the drive and the focus and the decision to help other people that come after her. She doesn't want other people to stress and struggle the way she did. And she said, you know what? I'm going to help others. And I thank you for her because she's helping me. And I've shared her with many as I'm going to share her now. Lord God, I just pray that your will will be done with that and that you will let other people realize like that they're not crazy and and that what they feel is okay. And that we all grieve differently and it looks different for all of us and that that is okay. Lord, I ask all this in your name. Thank you so much. Thank you. Amen. Kim, thank you for Amen. being here. Thanks for having me. Yay! Loved it. All right. So good to have you. 
You guys, thank you for being here on this episode of Hope and Struggle. What a cool, cool thing. Oh my gosh, she is just as cool in person as she seems. And I just cannot even tell you how difficult it is to think outside yourself when you're grieving so much. And she's done that for us. She has so many resources, but would you share this with someone that you know that might be grieving? Will you share Kim with them? Of course, will you share and rate the Hope and Struggle podcast? I would love that. And I will give you more information on how you can find her. And let's hope that we can get her on another episode soon. Thank you for being here.